probably wondering why last week and this week I'm sitting at a table rather than standing up and talking. And the reason isn't because I'm trying to be cool. The reason is because my body is falling apart. Um, you know, I had back surgery back the end of August, 1st of September, and still trying to figure out whether that was successful or not. And, and I've had four knee surgeries in the past, but two weeks ago I did something to my knee, not sure what it was, where it's just been an excruciating pain ever since, and it won't, I, I can't put any weight on it hardly. And so I made an appointment with the orthopedic surgeon that I went to back five years ago who said that um, I was ready for knee replacement if I wanted it, and I said, I don't want it. And so I went back to him. They did some other x-rays, some other things. He said, well, you definitely need this. And this time I said, when can we do it? And he said, well, I can do it December the 21st, and I can go ahead and do both knees at one time if you want me to. And I said, let's do it. And um, right after I said that, my wife said, I'm going to pass out. And so I've got double knee replacement surgery scheduled for December the 21st. So you can pray for my wife primarily. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to heal. I'm going to have bionic knees. Um, but my wife may kill me before I completely recover. So just um, be praying for her as she takes care of me during that process. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to hold it up with me right now and repeat our affirmation about the Bible. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time is Home Alone. Home Alone came out in 1990. It was starred Macaulay Culkin who played Kevin McAllister. He was the son of Peter and Katie McAllister. He had older brother and older sisters. And, and when the movie was filmed, they were about to go on a vacation to Paris with their extended family. But before they could get on the flight that morning, that night before, Kevin got into a fight with his older brother and Kevin was banished to the attic that night. He had to sleep in the attic all by himself. And that night, there was a power outage. All the power went out, not only in their house, but in the entire area. And because of that, their alarm clocks didn't go off. And because of that, they almost missed their flight to Paris. They knew that when the vans that were going to take them to the airport were ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door, honking the horn to try to get them out. And so they got up, they rushed out the door as quick as they could, got to the airport, got on the plane, but they forgot Kevin. I want you to watch this clip from the movie. We made it. Can you believe it? <laughs> Hope we didn't forget anything. 
in and you discover it's not good to be home alone. But the good news is, because of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, we never have to be home alone. And so if you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 1, I want you to follow along as I begin reading in verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, there are four truths that I want you to discover this morning that I think are important for you to discover the life God wants you to live. Here's truth number one. Our sin creates separation. It always has and it always will. It creates separation from God. If you go back to the very beginning, to the garden, when God created man and woman, he created them perfect. He created them for relationship. And when he created them, he gave them one law. He gave them one command. He gave them one rule. There was only one thing they weren't supposed to do. And Adam and Eve chose to do the one thing they weren't supposed to do. They sinned against God, and that sin brought separation. Immediately when they sinned, the Bible says their eyes were opened, and they hid from God. They brought separation. But then we discover that they were banished from the Garden of Eden, from God's presence. God brought separation. You see, sin always brings separation from our Creator, from God. But our sin not only brings separation from God, it brings separation from one another. If you go to the third chapter of Genesis, you discover that when Adam and Eve sinned, they began blaming one another for that sin. They became separated from one another. But then when we go to Genesis chapter 4, we discover that that separation not only affected them, it affected their two sons. Cain and Abel, two brothers, became separated and Cain killed his brother Abel. And when we read through Scripture, we discover that sin separates people to the point that that we have broken relationships, we have severed friendships, we have church splits, we have world wars, and on and on and on. Sin separates us from God, sin separates us from one another, sin separates us from our purpose in life. Have you ever wondered why people jump from job to job, from career to career, never finding their niche, never finding their place, always seeming to be discontent because they think there's something else they're supposed to do? Have you ever wondered why that happens? Well, look to the very beginning again. 
God created Adam and Eve, and, and from the very beginning, he gave them a purpose for life. He told them to rule over the earth. But because of their sin, that purpose for existence was tarnished. And we need to understand that our sin separates us from our God-given purpose. So our sin separates us, separates us from God, separates us from one another, separates us from our God-given purpose. The second thing I want you to see is this. God's Word reveals God's plan for restoration, for God's plan to restoring us to Himself, to to one another, and to our God-given purpose. Look at verse 22 in our Scripture. In verse 22, it says, all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. All of this occurred. All of what occurred? Well, the next verse is a quote that Matthew gives us from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah tells us that that a miracle child is to be born. A child that will have a unique birth and a, a child that will bring peace to the earth. But the reality is this child that God told Isaiah would come did not come in Isaiah's lifetime. Over the next several hundred years, more prophets came. And more prophets were given prophecies from God about this child that would one day come. But every one of these prophets came and went. They lived and they died and still no child was born. Until around 400 years before Jesus. No child had been born and the prophetic word stopped. No more prophets came on the scene. No more words from God. And I imagine the people of God began to think that that maybe God had forgotten his promise. Maybe the deliverer wasn't coming. But then after 400 years of silence, in a small, insignificant town called Bethlehem, the silence was shattered by a baby crying, and this child of promise was born. Now, as I said, this passage that Matthew quotes in chapter 1 is a prophecy that was given in Isaiah 7, 700 years before Jesus was born. But what's amazing is this prophecy is just one of many prophecies that the Old Testament gives us about Jesus. We are told where Jesus would be born. We are told what family he would come from. We are told that a king would try to kill him. We are told that his family would have to escape to Egypt. And we are told so much more. We're even told about Jesus' death. We are told how he would die. We are told they would cast lots for his clothes. We are told that he would be portrayed for 30 pieces of silver. We are told that he would die among criminals, but he would be buried among the wealthy. All of these things that were fulfilled in Jesus were foretold hundreds of years before he was ever even born. If I didn't believe the Bible, I would believe it if for no other reason 
than the prophecies that are given in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament. Now the truth of the matter is a skeptic can read these and say that the New Testament writers simply use the Old Testament passages to try to convince people what happened and and they fabricated history to to create a storyline. But the problem with that is history verifies what the prophets wrote. And history verifies what happened to Jesus. Now the reality is, even though history verifies the truths found in Scripture, there are many skeptics, there are many cynics that still don't believe. But the amazing thing is, the Bible tells us that there will be these skeptics, there will be these cynics. But the good news is, for those who are seeking those who are looking for answers, those who are looking for truth, Jesus is revealed. Here's what I know. 700 years before Jesus was even born, God's Word revealed an event that would take place that would literally split history in two. And so if you are searching for answers, you can trust the Bible. If you want the answer as to who God is, if you want an answer to who you are, if you want an answer about your purpose in life, God will reveal that. Because God's Word reveals God's plan for restoration. Your restoration with God, your restoration with other people, and your restoration to your purpose in life. But here's the amazing thing about the Bible. The Bible not only reveals God's plan for what has already happened, the Bible reveals God's plan for what has yet to happen. I think you would agree with me that our our world has gone crazy. We're experiencing a worldwide pandemic. We're facing vaccine mandates. There is more religious persecution today than ever before in the history of the world. And we can wonder, does God say anything about this? Does God have a word for what is going on in our world today? And the answer is yes, He does. But you will never understand that word unless you get into the word. And when you get into the Word, you will not only discover God's plan for your restoration with Him, you will discover God's plan for the world and for eternity. And so listen, God's Word can be trusted. And I challenge you today, get into God's Word. Make it a habit. Develop a plan to every day systematically get into God's Word until God speaks to you truth from His Word. Here's the third thing we see in this passage. Jesus removes the curse of sin. You see, God's Word tells us about God's plan for restoration, but God's plan for restoration reveals what God's purpose for existence was in God's Son, Jesus. The Bible tells us that an angel appeared to Joseph, and the angel gave Joseph a clear message on why Jesus was coming and what he was coming to do. In verse 21, it says, You will call him Jesus, 
because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the name Jesus means Jehovah saves. But you need to understand that Jesus was a common name in that day. It's not like Jesus' name was unique. There were a lot of kids named Jesus. And so it wasn't like people were coming up to Mary and Joseph saying, why did you name your child Jesus? Is he the Savior of the world? Is he the one that is to come? No, they didn't do that because Jesus was a common name. They weren't looking to Jesus as the Savior. But you see, everyone else hadn't had a heavenly messenger reveal the purpose of this child to them. But Joseph did. Have you ever wondered why Jesus came? Why he left the comfort of heaven to be born in a stable? Why he gave up a throne room to work in a carpenter's shop? Have you ever wondered why he left the worship of the heavenly host only to experience the ridicule and the rejection of the religious of his day? Well, the answer is simple. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Jesus said it this way. He said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus in a crowd, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God created us, each and every one of us, for an intimate relationship with himself. But our sin, our wrong choices, our proud hearts, our stubbornness, our rebellion broke that plan for intimacy. And that sin that we have committed and that sin that has affected us has brought us to a point that our only hope is a Savior. Someone who can come and, and redeem us. Someone who can come and pay the price for our sin. And that someone is Jesus. Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter says it this way. He says, he, Jesus, personally carried the load of our sins in his own body when he died on the cross so that we can be finished with sin. Jesus took our sins upon himself so that you and I could experience the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin so that you and I could become righteous. Jesus came to this world to save us from our sin. He didn't come to teach us how to live. He didn't come to set an example for us. He came to save us. I love what Tim Keller said. I, I read it on an Instagram quote this week. Tim Keller said, Jesus Christ as only an example will crush you. You'll never be able to live up to it. But Jesus Christ as the Lamb will save you. Jesus Christ as an example will crush you. Why? Because you can never live up to his example. Now we should follow his example. We should seek to walk in his steps. But the reality is we will never live up to his example. And so if Jesus came to set us an example, then we are of all people without hope because you're never going to be able to perfectly live up to his example. But that's not why he came. Jesus came as the Lamb of God to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' mission from the moment he was born 
was to save us. I read a story several years ago about a man named Edwin Rushworth. And Edwin was a skeptic. He didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in the Bible. But one day he decided that he was going to read the book that he didn't believe in. And after reading for an hour the very first day, he looked at his wife and he said, Wife, if this book is right, we're all wrong. Well, he continued to read for a week, and after a week of reading, he turned to his wife and he says, Wife, if this book is right, we're all lost. We continued reading for another week, and after reading for a third week, he turned to his wife and he said, Wife, if this book is right, we can be saved. And they were, and their lives were changed. You see, Jesus didn't come to give us an example. Jesus didn't come to give us counsel. Jesus came to save us. Do you need a Savior? Join the club. We all do. That's why Jesus came. And he is our only hope. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. Jesus came to this earth to save us from our sin so the relationship can be restored. And that brings us to the fourth truth, the truth that really ties into this movie, Home Alone, and that is Jesus restores broken relationships. I want you to notice what it says in verse 23. It says, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Think about that. God with us. Meditate on that. God with us. Jesus is God with us. Matthew begins his gospel by telling us that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And he ends this gospel by telling us that Jesus, this Emmanuel, this God with us, will always be with us to the very end of the age. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Now that name, Emmanuel, it reveals both theological and practical truth. Theologically, it reveals to us that Jesus is God, that Jesus didn't have his beginning in a stable 2,000 years ago. He was and is and always has been the eternal God. The baby that we read about in the first chapter of Matthew is the God that we read about in the first chapter of Genesis. When Jesus was born that first Christmas morning, it was God coming to earth to live among us. At the moment of conception, God became a man. Max Lucado says it this way. He says, the omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who became spi- or, or had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God is a fetus. Holiness, sleeping in a womb. The creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluid of his mother. God becoming man. 
C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that a baby, and before that a fetus inside a woman's body. You see, when we think about Emmanuel, it lets us know that Jesus is God. He did not become God. He is God. He always has been. He always will be. He's the eternal Son of God. But practically, Emmanuel reveals that you don't have to go through life alone. It lets us know that that our God, our Creator, isn't some distant God out in space who doesn't know you or doesn't care about you or who doesn't care what you're going through. You see, God made His dwelling among us. And because of that, you're not alone. You don't have to hurt alone. You don't have to pick up the broken pieces alone. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how bad you've been, He will not leave you alone. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He promised that even when you are faithless, He will remain faithful. He will be with you no matter what. You know what that means? That means that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, He's with you. We discovered that practically, personally, when our son died. I mean, that was the darkest moment that we've walked through in our life thus far. Things like that just aren't to happen. You're to outlive your kids. But it didn't happen. And yet, in that dark moment, we were never alone. He was with us. There are some of you in here who have lost children. There are others of you who have lost spouses. And sometimes the grief, the grief is so heavy, but you're not alone. There are others of you who you were in love and you felt like you had your spouse that you were going to do life with and they left you. They abandoned you. And you feel alone. But you're not. There are some of you who are older and, and your kids have turned their back on you for some reason or another. You just don't quite understand how or why. But I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. You see, because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, He's always with us. Whatever we're facing, however we're hurting, whatever we're going through. And so, how does this speak to you today? Well, maybe you're here and you're a cynic, you're a skeptic, you're not a believer, a follower of Jesus yet, and, and you're wondering whether Christianity is really true or not. What I would challenge you to do is, I would challenge you to read the Bible with an open mind and an open heart, and just pray to the God you don't even know exists, 
and say, God, if you're real, speak to me. And I'm here to tell you, if you're seeking God with an open mind and an open heart, you're going to open up his word and you're going to find out it can be trusted. And God's going to reveal his plan of restoration to you. So read God's word. Maybe you're here today and you know you need to be restored. You know that you're a sinner. You know that your sin has separated you from God. and It's separating you from other people and you need restoration. I'm here to tell you God came in Jesus to do just that. And if you place your faith and trust in him, turning from your sin, surrendering your life to him, he will save you. And oh, goodness gracious, the relationship will be restored. But maybe you're here and you're going through a valley. Dark, deep valley. But I'm here to tell you you're not alone. Your creator, your savior, your redeemer, he'll walk with you. So what is it you need this morning? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and with your head bowed and with your eyes closed if you're here and you say Rocky I'm, I'm ready I, I need to give my life to Jesus I know I'm a sinner I know I've rebelled against him and, and, and I'm ready to turn from my sin and trust Jesus and surrender my life to him if you're ready to do that today then I encourage you to pray this prayer to him right now dear God I humbly come to you this morning acknowledging that I'm a sinner. I've rebelled against you. I've sought to live my life as if I were God. Forgive me. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead to defeat sin and death for me. And today I'm trusting you to save me. I'm surrendering to you as Lord of my life. From this moment on, Jesus, I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me. And with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, if you're here and you're already a believer and you're going through a dark time, you feel all alone, I want to pray for you right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, interceding for each person who is in this room, who feels alone, who feels isolated, alienated, without hope right now. Father, I pray that you will remind them that your son Jesus is Emmanuel, that your son Jesus will never leave us and never forsake us. Remind them, Father, that your son Jesus will remain faithful even when we are having seasons of faithlessness. 
Oh, Father God, I pray that through the power of your Spirit living in us, you will give them your peace that passes understanding. Father, I pray that they will sense your loving arms around them and your presence with them even at this moment. Lord, whatever it is they're facing, the death of someone they love, a broken relationship, some other hurt, Lord, help them realize they're not alone. And I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.